Good afternoon and welcome back. Thank you for making the decision to come back this afternoon. I think that not everybody's happy to be back. But we are glad you're back. And if you're sleepy, I've got a remedy for that. But we appreciate so much you being back this afternoon. I know the challenge is trying to stay awake, particularly if you have gone to lunch and you're full. And so if you'll just bear with me for a few minutes, we'll get you back home, get you out of here and home very soon. Thank you for, again, coming back. We're looking to this afternoon at the book of Ephesians, particularly chapter 1, and we're going to be starting in verse 3. And what I want to do is talk about the spiritual blessings that we enjoy in Christ. And Paul makes it abundantly clear in this book that God has lavished upon us an array of spiritual blessings. And so really, if you are in Christ, what Paul is saying is simply this. You're rich. Incredibly rich. So I want to begin by first of all talking about the quality of our spiritual blessings. The quality of our spiritual blessings. Well, I'm going to change that. Let's talk about the quantity of our spiritual blessings. I changed it before we began this afternoon. I got to thinking about the order, and really there's not a real order to it, but I thought, you know, logically it'll help me. Well, guess what? It didn't help me. <laughs> so that being the case, let's talk for a minute or two about the quantity of spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Paul begins by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The first thing that I want to just share with you has to do with the source, the one who supplies all of our spiritual blessings, bearing in mind that every single blessing we enjoy whether it be in the material realm, the physical realm, the intellectual realm, the spiritual realm, every single blessing comes from one source, doesn't it? It comes from God. You remember James in the long ago said, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights. Many, many years ago, the psalmist talked about the tremendous blessings that we have in God. And he said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. I imagine if we were to sit down and try to catalog on a daily basis the blessings that we have, and that vast array of blessings, we would be overwhelmed by the number of things that we enjoy in this life. So what Paul is saying is, in the spiritual realm, particularly in this context, to understand that Almighty God is the source of all of our blessings. But then there's a second thought. It has to do with the scope of our blessings. Now, look at what Paul says. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Some translations may say all spiritual blessings. And so what Paul is saying to Christians in the first century 
And what are you saying to those of us who live in the 21st century? Is that Jehovah God, the Lord, has blessed us with a vast array of spiritual blessings. We are incredibly blessed by Almighty God. In the book of, in the book of Ephesians, Paul enumerates a number of the blessings that we have in Christ. I will talk about that in a moment or two. But to just understand that the source of all, our, all of our blessings is God, the scope of those blessings. Do you remember when Paul wrote to the church at Colossae? Paul would say in Colossians chapter 2 and about verse 10, And you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. Now he's talking about Christ there because in verse 9, Paul had said that in Him, that is in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And so it's in Christ that we have all these great blessings. Without Christ, there would be no blessings. Without Christ, life would be barren from a spiritual vantage point. To sum it up, in Ephesians 2 verse 12, we would stand without hope and without God in this world. Now, there is a second thing that I want to talk about. Hopefully I'll get it right. But I want to talk about how to qualify for these spiritual blessings. Look again at what Paul says. I want you to just read this with me. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. And then verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. So, number one, let me just share this with you. God had a plan of redemption in place before you were created. I've said this before and I want to just re-emphasize it because sometimes folks fail to understand this. Before God ever created the human family, He recognized that given the ability to make choices in life, that at some point in time, mankind, the crown of His creation, would make the wrong choice and need a Savior. And so, for example, in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, we read about the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So what Paul is saying here is God had a plan in place. That plan involved His Son, Jesus Christ. Now we would say the second member of the Godhead. The Word who became flesh, the one that I mentioned a moment ago in Colossians 2.9, in Him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's the one that existed in the very beginning with God, based on what John said in John chapter 1. He is an eternal being. He has always existed. He will always exist. And so Jesus Christ was the agent by which that plan was executed. 
Sometimes we talk about the primitive cause of our salvation or the originating cause. That'd be God. And then there is the sacrificial cause. That's Christ. And then there is the revealing cause. That would be the Holy Spirit. So God had this plan in place. All right? Let's talk about the person of salvation. Look at verse, well, I'll tell you what, let's just look at verse 7 for a minute. In verse 7, in, when you look at verses in Scripture, to understand that there are some verses in Scripture that are loaded with material. We could call them nuggets of truth. In verse 7, Paul said, in Him, that's in Christ, I mentioned a moment ago that God is the source of all of our blessings. Well, Jesus Christ is the reason why we can enjoy fellowship with God, isn't He? Remember what Jesus said, John 14, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. The apostle said, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is attributed to the finished work of Jesus on Calvary. And so, Paul would say, in Him, in Christ. But there's a second thought here. Not only does Paul mention the person of our salvation, but he identifies the place of our salvation. Well, where is that? It is in Christ. Now back up and look again at verse 3, where Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, pay particular attention. In Christ. That phrase, in Christ, or in Him, or its equivalent, is found 35 times in this one book. Well, what does that say to us? It would suggest that to be in Christ is to be in a very special place. Why? Because that's where salvation lies, in Christ. You remember in 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 10, Paul talked about salvation being in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So the reason why I want to be in Christ is because that's where all these blessings reside. So, over in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul identifies the seven ones. You remember what he said? There's one body, one spirit, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's over all, above all, and in you all. Those seven absolutes have something to say to us about our redemption in Christ. Think about it like this. The one spirit revealed the one faith. That's the gospel system, isn't it? You remember, you remember in verse 13, Paul said, In whom you also believed, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The gospel, the truth, the word. Those terms are synonymous. And so the one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, revealed the one faith, who has revealed the one Lord and the one God. Furthermore, it's in that one faith that we learn about the one baptism that puts us in the one body wherein we enjoy the one hope, that is, the hope of life eternal. Well, where is all of that located? It's in Christ. 
Again, think about the significance of what Paul is saying. Every spiritual blessing is located in Christ as a result of Christ. In John chapter 3, you remember Jesus talked to Nicodemus about the new birth. And he talked about how except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He was talking about a spiritual birth there. Nicodemus had in mind a physical birth. So he asked the question, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I just see Jesus saying, Nicodemus, you're missing what I'm saying here. Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then in verse 7, Jesus said, Marvel not that I say to you, listen to him, you must be born again. In the original, that word must carries with it the idea of necessity. And it also carries with it the idea of a necessity that has in mind a goal. Well, what's Jesus saying? When you are baptized into Christ through the teaching of the Spirit, you become a member of the kingdom of God. And listen, that's where all these blessings reside. They're all found in Christ. So we've got the person of salvation, the place of salvation. Let me talk for a minute about the price of salvation. Do you know why you have a relationship with God? Because of the blood of Jesus, isn't it? Didn't Paul say, in Him we have redemption? Listen to him. Through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. When Jesus celebrated the Passover with the apostles prior to His crucifixion, Matthew says in chapter 26 of his gospel account, that Jesus on that night said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for the many for the remission of sins. When Jesus went to the cross, He shed His blood. Peter talks about that blood as of a lamb, without spot, without blemish. That was Jesus. You can go back and look at Exodus chapter 12 when God instituted the Passover. That Passover prefigured the finished work of Jesus. Why? Because He's our Passover lamb, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 7. So the blood of Jesus, and the Bible tells us that Jesus purchased the church by what means? With His blood. Acts 20 verse 28. So we have salvation in Christ and in the church that He bought with His blood. So when we're baptized into Christ, as Peter said on Pentecost Day, you remember they wanted to know, what shall we do? Peter said, number one, you need to repent. Now they already believed in the Lord. They knew exactly who Jesus was. They had crucified and slain God's only Son. So he said, you need to repent and be baptized. For what reason? So that your sins can be remitted or forgiven. The basis upon which they could have been forgiven, and the basis upon which we are forgiven today, same source, the blood of Jesus. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The Lord Jesus bought the church. That means as members of the body of Christ, we are among those that He has bought or redeemed. 
He didn't use silver and gold, as Peter said, but rather he used the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. So God's amazing plan of redemption. Paul would write, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. You know what that says to me? It says we are prosperous people, aren't we? Let me just share with you what I'm talking about. Look again at verse 3. Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Look at verse 6. Paul said, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Look at chapter 2. Paul reminds us that the redemptive plan involved God's great love, mercy, and grace. And so note if you would, down in verse 4, he said, God who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved and raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Now look at verse 7. That in the ages to come He might show, listen to Him, the exceeding riches of His grace and kindness toward us where? In Christ. You talk about rich. We're rich. We are prosperous people, aren't we? Our prosperity tied to the finished work of Jesus on Calvary. So we think about qualifying for these spiritual blessings. Now let me just talk about the quantity of our spiritual blessings. Look again at what Paul said beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ. Now listen to Him. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Number one, let's just talk about the atoning work of Jesus. His sacrifice for us. When you think that God's only Son who had existed throughout all of eternity, the second member of the Godhead, was willing to leave the glories of heaven, come to earth to make atonement for our sins. Do I fully comprehend the magnitude of what the Lord has done on my behalf? I don't know if I'll ever understand the depth of His love, mercy, grace, and kindness. But you think about what, think for a minute about what John said. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And then drop down, look at verse 14. The Word became flesh. Jesus was willing to tabernacle in human flesh. Why? Because without 
his sacrifice on Calvary, we would be lost, wouldn't we? I mentioned a moment ago Ephesians 2 verse 12 where Paul talked about those outside a covenant relationship with God, they're without hope, without God in the world. But verse 13, Paul said, but now in Christ Jesus, but now in Christ Jesus, you that once were far off are brought near, made nigh by what means? By the blood of Christ. Do you remember in Philippians chapter 2 when Paul said, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, counted not being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Now listen to what he said. Being made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And he became obedient unto death. Yes, even the death of the cross. That says to me that Jesus was willing, more than willing, to leave the glories of heaven for the benefit of the human family. When Peter wrote over in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he talked about Christ who has once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust. Why? That He might bring us to God. Sin separates, alienates. And yet Jesus was willing to mediate between the two parties, wasn't He? Didn't Paul say that God would have all men to be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth? There's one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave Himself a ransom for the many. There's a second thought here. Look now, if you would, at verse 5. The atoning work of Jesus. Secondly, let's think about the adoption that occurs because of Jesus. The Bible says that we have been predestined to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. When you obeyed the gospel of Christ, when those who lived in the first century obeyed the gospel, the people to whom Paul was writing, what he was saying was simply this. You have been adopted into the family of Almighty God. You belong to a royal family a distinct family, God the Father. Think for a minute about what John said in 1 John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. Do you remember in Romans chapter 8 when Paul said that if we're, that if we're heirs of God, we're joint heirs with Christ? We've got all these great blessings. We've been adopted into the very family, the very fabric of the family of Almighty God. And the beauty of that is we enjoy a vast array of spiritual blessings. Now, there's a third thing that I want to share with you. I want you to look again at verse 6. In verse 6, Paul said, To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which, or wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. The word accepted here is a key word. 
That word is translated in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, as highly favored. And the context there has to do with Gabriel speaking to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And he said, you are highly favored among men. So how's that apply to us? As a child of God, we are highly favored, and the reason is because of the work of Jesus on Calvary. Highly favored. Look, we have a relationship with God, not because of what we've done, but rather because of what he did on our behalf. Now, I'm not saying that there are not responsibilities given to us to obey the gospel. I'm not saying that at all. But God is the one who designed this redemptive plan. As a result of what Jesus did on Calvary, we have become highly favored. One of the things that strikes me when we talk about all these great blessings that we enjoy in Christ God always gives the best, doesn't He? There are some people that, when it comes to the things of this world, they want the best of the best. The best clothes, the best automobile, the best home, and so on. Go back and look at Genesis chapter 1. After God had created the world and made man in His own image and likeness. You remember what He said? After surveying creation, he said, it's very good. What about with his redemptive plan? You think it's a good thing? Not just good, it's very good, isn't it? So we're blessed beyond measure. So here's my question to you as we close out this afternoon. Do you enjoy all the spiritual blessings that Paul talks about in Ephesians? If you're in Christ, you're rich. If you're not in Christ, then my encouragement would simply be to obey the gospel. Because that's going to put you in a relationship with the Lord. Let me tell you what. When life comes to an end, you can face death with the expectation that you have been living in hope of life eternal, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. The hope of heaven. Heaven is a real place for real people. Don't you want to be there one day? So all these things that God has done, He's done it for our benefit so that He could bless us. It's a blessing to be a Christian. And that's what Paul is saying to the saints in Ephesus. You're blessed. So if you haven't obeyed the gospel, I want to encourage you to do that this hour. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're simply teaching people what the apostles taught people in the first century. Acts 2.42, the Bible talks about the apostles' doctrine. Well, what was that doctrine to become a child of God? To believe in Jesus as a son, repent of our sins, confess His name, be immersed in water so that all of our sins can be washed away. And once our sins are washed away, to live with the expectation of heaven. We are a part of God's holy body of people. And He's the Savior of that body, Ephesians 5.23.
If you're here this afternoon and maybe your life's not what it ought to be and you would like the prayers of the church to help you try to get back on course in this life, look, we'd be happy, more than happy to pray with you and for you with the assurance that God abundantly pardons every sin and all sin. Won't you come as we stand and sing?